Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp here for the Fightful.com podcast, September 7th edition. I am joined by Showdown Joe. We are going to talk UFC 203. We're going to talk a little bit about UFC 205. Uh, He'll give us the rundown on this weekend's Titan FC show. Lots of cool stuff to talk about. This show brought to you by DraftBeast.com. Tomorrow is the day. It is the day it all starts. It is the day that I stop caring about the feelings of my audience because I am going to take them for every cent that they have at DraftBeast.com. If you think that you can step to me, guys, I dare you. I dare you. DraftBeast.com is the place to be. And if you want to do that, I might suggest that you go to our podcast page, open up any of our podcast links, click that on it link in particular, and get yourself some alpha brain because you're going to need it. And then get yourself some new mood because you're going to need it. You're going to need to pop that new mood before you go to bed. I know that I won't lose a wink of sleep after taking your money. So there's that. Check out their great supplements, their equipment, their apparel. Help out the Fightful Podcast a little bit so I can continue to talk trash. I am joined by Showdown Joseph. Joe, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, but now I'm I'm caught between this sort of rift between thinking to myself, do I support my boy, take their money, or am I hanging out with the peeps and saying, you know what, take that fool's money for talking all that trash weeks and weeks and weeks leading up to the NFL season, taking your money. All that BS that comes out of his mouth, so I'm torn. I haven't decided yet. I'll wait to see what happens first couple of weeks. It's like any pool that I enter or any sort of stuff that I do when it comes to sports for fun. I wait and I wait and wait to determine, you know, who's playing hot, who's red hot, who's garbage, which teams are doing good. But I'm going to monitor what you do on DraftBeast.com because uh, I don't know if I want you to get smashed or I want you to haul ass, Sean Ross Hap. Well, Here's the thing, Joe. I'm going to slip you some money next payday because I see that you have become fast friends 
with UFC's Francis Ngannou. And what I'm going to do is if I lose, I'm just going to have him show up at everybody's house and hold them upside down by their ankles, middle school style, and shake the change out of their pockets. That's I'm how assuming, it's going to work. I'm assuming you saw that picture of, of, of Francis, myself, and Kamaru Usman, two UFC vets, on my Instagram page. It's all actually all his, my his fist, his fist is a flyweight. Just his fist. The, the guy is an absolute mountain look i'm five seven everyone knows that you can I, I even put a little thing at the bottom there cue the short jokes blah 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 when we lined up for that original picture i was expected to be in the middle because kamaru and i are doing our our, our, our pre-tapes for titan fc 41 and we we're going to have francis just step in real quick for a pick francis comes in there takes a look at me looks up at kamaru and says no at end i'm on this end we put kamaru in the middle and watch this picture like, whatever Right, because remember, I'm five seven. I think I'm, I'm the same height as everybody. It, that's it's, it's called a short man thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Afterwards, and I'm like, oh my god, that's the difference between us two. He is an absolute monster. I don't know if I told you this before, but I had him put out his fist. Right, I just wanted to see what that range would look like for a guy like myself walks around around 178, 179, and a heavyweight in the Ultimate Fighting Championship. I've done it with Roy Nelson before. I've done it with Josh Barnett, but I want to see it with Francis. Sean, I'm telling you. There's no way you could get on the inside of this guy at my height without getting an uppercut or getting an elbow to the teeth with his eyes closed. I did it with John Jones. That was the worst I've ever seen in my life. I was like, I'm ne- you could, I, I can never get on this guy. This guy would have to be stepping forward for me to probably try and grab a single leg. But man, <laughs> this dude, Francis, is a monster. Now I see why he's knocking these people out. The guy, and he's built like a tank. I'm excited to see who he faces next. I would imagine they give him a top 15 guy. I'm very excited about that. Almost as excited. We have a big weekend. We have WWE Backlash on Sunday. We have tons of, of, of uh, MMA shows. By the way, happy to announce we're doing coverage of Titan FC here on Fightful.com as well as M1, Cage Warriors, anything else. Uh, we have someone that's going to cover all of that. Joe will also be there. Of course, we are connected to every show and Joe will tell us a little bit about uh, Titan FC later. But we have a UFC 203 card, and it has a lot of good fights on it. And I mean a lot of good fights. Everybody's talking about CM Punk, Mickey Gall. A lot of people are talking about Stipe Miocic and Alistair Overeem. But we have Ian McCall on the show. We have Jessica I versus Betch Correa on the, on the card. We have Nick Lentz on the card. We have Magalhaes versus Brad Tavares on the card. Jessica Andrade versus uh, Joanne Calderwood. Uriah Faber back in action. Fabrizio Verdun versus Travis Brown. There's a lot to look forward to on this show, Joe. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I was just kind of looking over Uriah Faber versus Jimmy Rivera again, man. Jimmy Rivera, what is he, 19-1? and one? I mean, that's going to be a solid scrap. I'm not saying um, he, he can't, you know, not stand and bang with Uriah Faber. I mean, Uriah is still Uriah, but he's, what, top three, top four in that division at the very minimum. Uh, but Jimmy Rivera can make some serious noise uh, on Saturday night. I mean, you tell me. Yeah, and this is the type of fight that a guy like Jimmy Rivera needs to launch himself. A victory over Uriah Faber after going 3-0 and in the UFC. Now, he's won 18 straight fights, Jimmy Rivera has. Uh, he lost on the Ultimate Fighter in 2011 to Dennis Bermudez. Certainly forgivable, knowing what we know about Dennis Bermudez and the streak that he won. Um, so, you know... 
this is a big, big, big fight for both of them because if Uriah Faber loses this, you can't you, – you don't throw him in those upper echelon fights anymore, which he always seems to win as long as it's not for a title or not you know, against the likes of Frankie Edgar. But this is a very big fight. Uh, Jimmy Rivera winning this, like I said, you know, Brimage, Munoz, Alcantara, that's one thing. Uriah Faber is a big name, and that's what he needs right now. And really, I could think of far worse things for the Bantamweight division than, than a 27-year-old, 19-1 Jimmy Rivera winning this fight. Don't look now, Sean. Have you looked at the odds? No, I haven't. Jimmy Rivera is a favorite. Really? People are putting money on Jimmy Rivera. I'm trying to look. I'm trying to actually get the the, the trends of when it opened. Give me one second here. Uh, it opened. He was a minus one ten. He's a minus one twenty nine on this site. So he, he dropped. The, dude, he went down to almost to a minus one fifty. Wow. So it's it's coming up a little bit. Jimmy Rivera is the favorite. The public believes he's the favorite over Uriah Faber. Whoa! This would be an interesting fight to see. He is on a hot streak, but like I said, Uriah Faber does have that, that tendency to really excel when a title isn't on the line. That stops. At some point, you, you don't have that anymore. And, you know, it's so funny after the last fight, he did the, the like, the 2000s MMA thing that I would always say, like, like regional MMA thing. Like, I didn't win, but I got a buddy, and he's coming up. He always used to do one of those. I always used to hear those at at like uh, regional events and stuff. Well, my buddy, he'll be here soon. He's ready. That's what he did. And it really did, it helped because a lot of people were talking about Cody Garbrandt after that. A lot of people who didn't know him. That's the power of the, the Faber name. And if Jimmy Rivera gets a win off of the power of the Faber name, that, that's a big thing. Because let's look, let's look back at who has beaten Uriah Faber. We have Dominic Cruz, Frankie Edgar, Hennen Burrell, Jose Aldo, Mike Brown, and then early, early in his career, Tyson Griffin. With the exception of Mike Brown, all of those guys are still top-level fighters. Burrell remains to be seen, but man. Yeah, but even, even though even Mike Brown, like back then in, in 2008, 2009, Brown, Brown was a bad dude. He was the man at, at the WC. He was the champ or whatever. Um, he, he was still a badass. I think in that, was it the second fight with Mike Brown is when he busted both of his hands and he was basically just throwing elbows for the whole fight? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, Mike Brown Threw was... elbows the whole time. Yeah, and then two fights later, my God, he fights Jose Aldo. Woo-wee! That, was, uh, that wasn't a pretty that fight there. So, um, look, Uriah Faber's been one of the best for one of the longest times. He's going to go down uh, as one of the best bantamweights and featherweights ever, uh, despite, you know, not having a title in the UFC. The guy is just an absolute star. Um, huge name, huge pull. Anytime that music kicks in, I mean, the place goes absolutely listen. Even though he doesn't want that to be his song, he's obviously adopted it. Uh, but when you hear that, it's just, you know, it's, it's unbelievable. But Uriah Faber, I mean, despite being the underdog in this fight, all the pressure's on him, man. Let's be honest. It really is. Because if he does lose this fight to a guy that not a lot of people know, that's going to push him out. Now, Jimmy Rivera, excellent fighter, but only be a hit to him. Now, we have lots of good fights just, just early on. We have familiar names on the, the UFC Fight Pass show. You have Diaz brother cohort, Yancey Medeiros. Uh, C.B. Dalloway's fighting on the prelims, which, you know, probably the place I would put a C.B. Dalloway if I had to book him. 
probably wouldn't book him anyway, but if I had to book him, he'd be on that Fight Pass show. Uh, Dalloway has lost three in a row. This could be it. If he loses, that could be it. Well, I mean, the last three fights were, what, Leoto Machida, Michael Bisping, uh, Nate Marquardt. That was a fight he was expected to win. Uh, Not big time, but he was expected to win, and he got KO'd in the second round. So, yeah, I see what you're saying. If he loses, I mean, the last time he had a victory in the UFC was versus Francis Carmont. Francis Carmont's a rebellator right now. Um, So that's saying a lot. And Machida, you know, I don't don't mean to mock him, but we've talked about it before. I mean, what's he doing, right? Bisping, yeah. though, is the, is the middleweight champion. Uh, and Nate Marquardt, well, it's just uh, that happened in December. So we'll see what happens. But he, this is an absolute career fight. I mean, they always are. But, I mean, he's taken on, you know, Barroso. And, and you know, Barroso's no joke. The guy's what? He's 36. He's up there in age. So this is a fight that, you know, C.B. Dalloway should win. Uh, but, of course, I mean, let's be honest. His last uh, loss was uh, to Nikita Krylov, our favorite dude ever. Yeah. Hey, you're going you're gonna to lose that. That's just one you're gonna lose. So maybe this this is you know a pretty pretty interesting fight. Mainly because I think Dalloway is on the chopping block. I really think he's on the chopping block. I'm surprised that they didn't let him go after his third loss in a row, considering he doesn't have the best reputation for being an exciting fighter. And as we've seen. Uh, In the past, sometimes the UFC is just all too happy to cut guys who have one bad performance, much less a lot of boring performances. I mean, Talos Latis, he was a title contender, had a boring fight, one more boring fight after that, and they cut him. That was it. We've seen that happen, so... Well, when this you're, yeah, you're right. For I mean, for CB Dalloway, his last nine fights, he's three and six. Uh, all sure. of those, obviously, under the UFC banner. Big trouble if he loses four in a row. So not that much to talk about on that UFC prelim or UFC fight pass prelim card. Yancy Medeiros is on the show. He is a Diaz uh, training partner. Also, in 2013, tested positive for marijuana. Are you surprised? Is that a shocker or is that a shocker? Uh, I'm going to go with no. Uh, I'm not trying to be stereotypical or anything like that, but I'm going to go with no. Um, I, I've had conversations with Yancey before, uh, so no. I'm, 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 I guess you could say I'm, I'm pleasantly not surprised, to say the least. Drop, dropped his last fight in May, but that was a very good fight against Trinaldo at 198. Uh, he also had a couple of really good performances in 2014 against Damon Jackson and Joe Proctor. Inconsistent is an understatement uh, when when speaking about Yancey Medeiros, but – He's facing a guy in Sean Spencer who's lost three of his last four and has not proven that he can finish anybody in the UFC yet. Yancey Medeiros is going to go for it because of that camp that he comes out of. They all go for it, unless you know it's Jake Shields. and that, that always, That's something that confuses me. How in the hell does Jake Shields – actually, Jake Shields booked against John Fitch – We'll talk a little bit about that. A pretty uh, one of the biggest fights World Series of Fighting can make by far. Do you think it? You think his fight stays on the feet? <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine it does five rounds of these two guys standing up? Well, you know what's funny? I remember when ESPN did that sports science thing and they measured PSI or something like that of punches, and John Fitch's was measured higher, way higher than. Uh, 
James Tony. James Tony. I never saw now, maybe okay there was ESPN in Canada, but that's pretty good, man. Yeah, if I'm remembering correctly, feel free to correct me, guys. But Jake Shields trains with the Diaz brothers. How in the hell is his striking the way it is? Even more so, how is his throwing motion the way that it is at that press conference with the water bottle? Embarrassing. Listen, there's, there's guys in this sport, and I'm talking, I shouldn't even say this sport, in every sport. I actually had this very conversation. I'm going to go with two or three years. No, no. It was when Jake fought um, George St. Pierre. Uh, I was talking to, because I, I, you know, after that fight there, it went five rounds. Um, you know, George was hurt in the third round because, you know, the people were saying it was a thumb in the eye when it was actually a punch in the eye by Jake Shields. Uh, I had talked to George about uh, two weeks, two or three weeks after that, catching up, seeing how he is. And he was like, I just couldn't figure out what Jake Shields striking was all about. It's not normal. It didn't look normal. It didn't look like something that you would, you know, you're used to seeing in the gym when you spar with boxers and Muay Thai guys and mixed martial arts where, you know, sometimes the strikes are all linear. You know that you know that it's coming from this angle. You're coming from that angle. The, it, with Jake's, it was it was almost like George saying it was it was flowing. It was a weird sort of bounce to it. So he wasn't able to really try and figure it out, despite watching all this tape and video on him. Um, and I've, I've heard. So I had this conversation with one of the analysts uh, on Sportsnet, a, a pretty big name. His name is Nick Kiprios. And I asked him flat out, and I said, "Do you see when you're watching hockey players, as an example, can you tell when I, when you look at a guy and you're like, what is this guy? What is with this style?" That he has. How was he in the NHL? And I talked to, to Greg Zahn about some of the baseball guys. Jay's, he's a Blue Jays analyst. I said, do you ever see guys in the big leagues, uh, in baseball in general, that you're like, what is this guy doing here? He's got the worst swing ever. Can't throw a ball worth nothing. Yet he's there because somehow he gets the job done. And that apparently is Jake Shields in mixed martial arts. Uh, and, you know, he does, he does train with the Diaz brothers, the scrap pack and all of that. Uh, at the same time, his jits is phenomenal. Choke escapes are unbelievable. His technique is is sick, uh, and apparently, when he gets on top of you, he weighs like a tree trunk. The guy's an absolute monster, and again, one of the nicest guys you're ever going to meet. And I know I say that all the time, but he is one of those guys that just doesn't look normal when he fights, and even the way he walks. I remember being with um, um, with Rick J. Lee. I don't know if you know who that is. He's a super nice, super amazing videographer. Worked for a lot of websites. Uh, Rick J. Lee, uh, Gilbert Melendez, myself, Jake Shields. Um, uh, and another one of the coaches, we were in Japan, in Tokyo, Japan. Um, and just even the way Jake walks, he has this sort of like bounce to him. You know, we're all walking normally in the streets of Tokyo. He's got this weird bounce to him and it shows in his fights, right? And I guess that's why you're taking a shot at him throwing a water bottle. Uh, cause he doesn't have the technique, uh, that potentially most other people would have. But that's Jake Shields. Man. <laughs> I gotta say, Conor McGregor had some pretty awesome, he had a good throwing motion. I was impressed. Let's see all that. If you're a southpaw, if you're left-handed, you can throw heat. Get into baseball, son. Exactly. That's another thing I, I want to talk about later, this UFC 202 number. But either way, I would love to watch a sparring session, a straight striking sparring session between one of the Diaz brothers and Jake Shields. I'm sure that is hilarious to check out. Um, yeah, UFC 203, back at that. Ian McCall taking on Ray Borg. Ian McCall, unfortunately, didn't get to fight a couple months ago when Justin Scoggins didn't make weight. He's taking on Ray Borg. Ray Borg dropped his last fight, ironically, to Scoggins in February. Has won three of his last four, though. Had a couple of 
really good fights against Shane Howe and Chris Collades. Now, this is the first time that Ian McCall will have fought in a long time, and this is something that we constantly bring up, the, the idea of ring rust, but this is a little different because this is a guy who said that if his body breaks again, he's done. What does that tell you? It pretty much tells you he's got, already got one foot out the door, uh, although it is Uncle Creepy, and anything can happen with that guy. I mean, that guy there was born to fight. Uh, you know, People always laugh, oh, he's 125 pounds. How can he be born to fight? Dude, those guys are always born to fight. They've got to defend themselves against bullies from when they're young kids in grade three. So this is a guy that's been around the fight game for a long time. Uh, but as we all know, we've heard him say it before, the body's taking a lot of punishment. It's just it's, there's only so much you can take. So it all depends on this training camp, Sean, how it all went, uh, how he survived it, how he shows up, um, you know, A, for the weigh-in, and then B, the on actual fight night. Uh, we've heard it a thousand times before. It's not the best fighter that wins. It's the best fighter that night. It's the best fighter on fight night. So, um, you know, sometimes you start hearing these things and these guys have already checked out. Um, you know, we all know how bitter he was with that Justin Scoggins situation. He refused, refused to do a catchweight fight uh, based on what happened with, uh, who was it, um, John Lineker, that whole situation. So yes. he's not doing that again. He strictly wants 125, let's do this. And, you know, what if he finishes Ray Borg, right? Is he gone? Is he done? No. So, but he's just waiting it almost seems like he's waiting for that one opportunity to say, you know what, I'm officially done. And all he needs is a few wins, two or three wins in a row, to be able to say, I took Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson to a draw and get that shot. Because he he hasn't had a shot at that title yet. He was bested. I thought he lost both fights in that tournament that he was given against Johnson. But he does have that draw with Johnson. He's the closest person, really, I think, to having Johnson's number. Now, granted, Johnson then had just started training full-time as a fighter. He had just started working with Matt Hume full-time because I, I believe it was the, the Cruz fight where Matt Hume said, when are you getting serious about this? You just had a world championship fight. So that'll, that'll be interesting to see. With Magalhaes versus uh, Tavares. Magalhaes has won four of his last five. Tavares had won five in a row and then, had, then dropped three of four. You got to wonder if Magalhaes is looking at this and saying, I don't want my career to take the same path as Brad Tavares, be on this hot streak. Then all of a sudden, my job might be on the line. Uh, what are you expecting out of this fight? It's, it's Tavares' first fight since May of 2015. is first in, since July of 2015. Yeah, I expect these guys to come out, you know, banging, swinging pretty hard um, in the first round for sure. Maybe slow down in the last minute of that first round. And then if nothing happens where this thing doesn't end, uh, in that first or second round, this could get pretty ugly. Uh, I know we've heard it before. Ring rust isn't real. Uh, I do believe it's real. Uh, shout out to Freddie Essensau, who proved me wrong during the last mm-hmm. Titan FC show, uh, taking out Jay-Z Cavalcante. But uh, I think it is real, man. And, and you know, he's, Michael Lesh, is, as an example, is still young. He's 28. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, Tavares is still just in his late 20s. So these dudes are still young. Um, and, and you look at the track record. Well, um, Michael Lesh is what nine and two, so he's had what eleven fights. Uh, but then you take a look at Brad, Brad Tavares. This dude's been around. He's fought much higher competition. He's only had seventeen fights per se only, but he is three or four. Uh, he's had three losses in, the, in his last four fights. He did take out Nate Marquardt, uh, lost to Uel Romero. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, Tim Boach back in two thousand fourteen. Uh, nothing wrong with that. A year later, Pete Lorenz Larkin too. Yeah. 
right? Uh, he, yeah, he beat Lorenz Larkin, exactly. That was in 2014. But um, the Robert Whitaker fight, a strange one. 44 seconds, uh, he gets knocked out. That's partially the reason probably why he's taken so much time off. Uh, why? Because we all know Bratzevers loves to stand and bang. And who knows what happens in his training when he starts getting all crazy and stupid and, and, and stuff like that. Like, if you look, I mean, it's, I, I, it's silly that I keep bringing this up, but Kamara Usman on his Instagram page, um, you know, I, I liked the, one of the sparring sessions he had with Michael Johnson. And we're talking about it tonight. We're watching again with everyone else. These two guys are nuts, Sean. The bell, so they're sparring, you know, Black Zillions, everyone's sparring, blah, blah. The bell goes off. They don't care. They're beating the crap out of each other to the point where you hear people going, hey, ho, hey, that's it, whoa, that's good. And the guys are coming in, stopping them from fighting. And maybe that's what Brat Tavares was doing uh, for all these years. And last show, last podcast, you and I were talking about, it was the last show, two shows ago, about the, the shooter box days. These guys are showing yeah. up to Pride. KTFO'd, man. They're already out, man. You know, was it Rich Franklin and Kung Lee? When Kung Lee takes out Rich Franklin like that, you're kind of like, what? What just happened there? Well, I bet you this guy got knocked out in training a couple of weeks ago. So, uh, yeah, you, you start looking at what these guys go through in training. It shows its effect sometimes uh, in the octagon. So it remains to be seen what's going to happen with, between these two here. I am going to lean toward Kyle Magalesh, although obviously Brad Tavares has fought the higher comp- a higher level of competition. But, yeah, MMA, anything can happen. But I'll go with Kyle in this fight for sure. We have Nick Lentz taking on a last-minute replacement in Michael McBride. Not a lot to discuss here. Uh, Nick Lentz is expected to win this. We do have Jessica I versus Betch Kohea. Now, this this is funny. This fight is another one of those where I don't think that Kohea is going to be on the chopping block if she loses just because she got a bit of a name about her because of Ronda Rousey. But as pointed out before that Ronda Rousey fight, she ain't beat nobody. Shayna Baszler, at the point in which Kohea beat her, was fought, not the, the Shayna Baszler that we knew from years past. Uh, Jessamyn Duke, I'll say this. This was the Glendale Fighting Club versions of Jessamyn Duke and Shayna Baszler, in which I'm not too sure either have recovered. And I'll say this. I love both of those two women personally. Gems of people, those two. But I, I have never been hesitant to say that I think GFC screwed those two girls up pretty bad and they never recovered. She beat Julie Kedzie, but again, that was at the end of Julie Kedzie's career. That was, you know, and she, she got beat by Raquel Pennington. Nothing, there's no shame in losing to Raquel Pennington. Not a bit. And it was a split decision. Then you got Jessica I, who officially has one win in six fights. Now, granted, that Sarah Kaufman fight, was a win. It was a split decision win. It got overturned because she tested positive for marijuana, a negligible amount of marijuana. Uh, I believe that under the current USADA standards, she could have had three times as much amount of marijuana as she tested for in her system, and she still would have tested negative under their standards. So really, she's, she's two and four in the UFC, but she has lost three in a row. You look back at those losses, though. Sarah McMahon, Juliana Pena, Misha Tate. We're talking top-of-the-heap girls here. But if there was ever somebody that you would want to point at and say, 125 division, we need one, it's probably Jessica I, because I get the feeling that she would be probably a top-five 125-pound fighter. Uh, I'm going to say yes, because at that Maybe point fringe. there – 
No, no, she, she'd probably be up there because I'm just thinking about like Juliana Pena would probably drop down in that division for sure. Joanna um, said she wanted to. Yes, that'd be yeah, that'd be a good scrap right there. Uh, but Jessica, ah, uh, yeah, you're right. You know, she is one in four uh, in her in her la- or sorry, one in three in her last four fights. Um, that Sarah Kaufman fight was an interesting fight because uh, I was there for that one in Houston, Texas. Um, Oh, she's beating Karina Dam, who's main eventing Titan FC uh, tomorrow on Friday night. So uh, she's got skills. She's got skills. It's just that, you know, she is that one person that, you know, we, you and I talk about these people all the time, or these fighters all the time. They're great at a certain level, but they just can't get past that top two. Or like Roy Nelson, as an example, the, the top five people, the, 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 the people in the top five. Uh, and that's what it seems to be right now with Jessica I. In Vetch Correa, uh, as long as our pal front row Brian isn't celebrating out of her out of his face because he absolutely <laughs> loves Betch Correa. <laughs> I don't know if he loves her, if he just mocks her, yes. but either it's, way. It's very much a Nikita Krylov situation. Let's be real. Yeah, he's just – Brian's out of control. That guy's just – All due respect to Fred O'Brien. He's awesome. He's a complete uh, ass. I love him. But um, – yeah. I love it when he – I love it when he accidentally breaks wrestling news that he doesn't know is common knowledge. Like he broke the news that CM Punk and his best friend did you did you ever happen to hear of the big podcast that CM Punk did that he's getting sued for right now? No. So he left WWE in January of 2014, and he wasn't heard of at all until I think it was Thanksgiving night 2014. I'll never forget. It was like midnight, and I had to cover the whole thing, and it was a one-hour tell-all podcast. And man, was it interesting. Like, even if you don't like wrestling, you would be captivated by this podcast. Just, and some of it, I'm sure, is his own bias, and he says as much. But man, it was intense. And the next week, they released another one. Well, his buddy, Colt Cabana, who used to be a WWE wrestler, they're best friends. He was the host of the podcast. They got sued by a WWE doctor for defamation because he said that the doctor allowed him to compete with a staph infection. And just kept on giving him Z-Packs. So CM Punk did an interview recently, and they asked about Chael Sonnen. And he said, well, the majority of our conversations is him trying to get me to come on podcasts and me saying, not really allowed to do that anymore, buddy, because he's getting sued by this doctor, and it's getting bankrolled by WWE. Wow. So, yeah, I highly encourage you to check that out. Like, I will, 100%. There's a wrestling fan by the name of Frey, and he has – he often declares hashtag shoot weeks where people shoot on things. I think if, if there were an official shoot week and I am not Frey, I cannot declare this, but Thanksgiving week has become one between CM Punk in 2014. And then in 2015, Ariel Hawani had a really captivating interview with John Jones, the week of uh, Thanksgiving where they were walking through the park. Did you happen to see that one? No. Oh, really good stuff. Uh, Jones was full of horse shit during the whole thing, but, it was still really interesting, but yeah, I'll have to send you that interview. It was really just, and then two weeks later he signed with the UFC. So it was very interesting to hear all this stuff, incredible stuff, but yeah, we have, uh, I can't even remember the original point of this, but yeah, front row Brian, he accidentally broke the news that CM Punk and Colt Cabana were at odds because I guess Colt Cabana was backstage at the WWE event while they were kind of bankrolling a, a lawsuit against him. So wasn't too happy about that. Wow. Either way, back to 203. Jessica Andrade versus Joanne Calderwood 
Holy damn. No, this is not a Karina reference either. This is going to be a fight because Andrade looked so awesome during that drop to straw weight. I can't believe she competed at Bantamweight. That, this is another girl, 125. That'd be perfect for her. She killed Jessica Panay, but that had nothing on what Joanne Calderwood did to Valerie Letourneau in June. Oh, my God. What a co- series of combinations she unleashed. I'll never forget that spinning back fist against the cage. I can't wait for this fight, Joe. Um, we're not allowed to talk about people beating up on Canadians, so I'm not going to acknowledge <laughs> that fight there uh, with um, Valerie. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> you're absolutely correct. Joanne uh, put on a spectacular performance. Uh, and, again, this is one of the reasons why the very first fight of the pay-per-view um, is not only a fantastic one to put these two on, because uh, you could have flip-flopped this with Jessica I and Betch Correa, uh, although, because, obviously, Jessica I and Betch Correa are the main event for the Fox Sports 1 card. Uh, but, yeah, when you, uh, you have those two going at it, probably going to go absolutely nuts because even Betch, who's, you know, Betch is just that, she's just, I would, I don't know if charismatic is the right word. She'll sometimes appear to be a bit cuckoo when she does what she does. She's going to throw down with Jessica I. That'll get people thinking about this pay-per-view if they haven't already. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. (laughs) I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. We thought about A, the heavyweight championship of the world, and CM Punk uh, on this card here. But then you get to the pay-per-view, and you got Jessica Andrade and Joan Calderwood. Oh, I've never heard of these two. Oh, it's women. Oh, they're fighting at uh, 115. Wonder what the, what's going to happen. I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd watch this fight. And then when you see these two go at it, you're going to be pleasantly surprised if you've never seen either one of these two fight because these two are going to cause some severe damage. There's going to be fireworks. Uh, I actually got in trouble tonight. Uh, we had to stop rolling on one of the things we recorded, Sean. I said, um, are you telling me tomorrow there's going to be violence, extreme violence in this fight? Ha, 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 yes, blah, blah, cut, 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 cut. We can't say violence, Joe. And I was like, oh, okay. What? Yeah, all right, we'll just call it fireworks, right? Cool, let's do fireworks. Okay, good, done. But there's going to be violence between Andrade and Calderwood, two ladies um, that, you know, not that they don't like each other, but are going to prove that, you know what, once you step into the cage, friendship or anything goes out the window. Uh, my career is at stake here. Get ready. It's about to go down. So we, we've already talked about Faber and Rivera at length. So I'm going to skip ahead to Fabricio Verdun versus Travis Brown. This is a rematch, and I don't know if you've watched GFC Embedded, but they've had to kind of film around some things. There are some notable omissions, some people that may not have appeared in UFC Embedded when they show Travis Brown. Just some some people who might be considered among the most famous athletes in the world. That's Ronda Rousey. That's the story of this whole fight. Ronda Rousey, will she be there? 
She will be there. I know she'll be there. You want me to tell you why she'll be there, Joe? <laughs> just, yes, go ahead. Because her buddy, Shayna Baszler, is also wrestling in Cleveland that weekend. Hey, I hey. imagine she will be I can't say, I can't confirm it, but I did have a, a friend, a trusted source, say that she is expected at the AIW event that Shayna Baszler will be wrestling at. It's a shame Shayna Baszler didn't get into pro wrestling younger because she's really good at it, as it turns out. But, you know, Seth Petrozelli got a job at the Performance Center as a striking coach, so uh, I'll be damned if they don't give Shayna Baszler a grappling coach job there, especially for the girls. She's a very personable person, but either way, we got Travis Brown versus Verdum. I don't see this playing out a lot different than their last fight, but... Fabricio Verdum is now 39 years old. And if he runs at people with his hands down, he might get punched in the face, Joe. I keep forgetting he's 39 years old. He's been around for such a long time. He goes so far back to the pride days. I keep forgetting that he's he's almost 40. And Travis Brown has only lost... Yeah. Has only lost to UFC champions and Sergey Karatanov. Also, if you all don't know who that is, no shame losing to that guy. Yeah, so, so it's, it's sort of a weird fight. I mean, Travis Brown is always that sort of weird heavyweight enigma that you think always is, is you know, going to get to that point where, okay, finally he's, he's crossed over that, that, not gatekeeper, but crossed over that level where it's like, okay, you know what? Now I could be a world champion. You know, the guy's six foot seven. Um, you know, he does have speed. He did have mobility until he had that injury. Um, not that his mobility is gone, but before that Bigfoot Silva fight, he was always considered one of the most mobile heavyweights in the division. Then he, that, his knee blows out, loses uh, to, to Bigfoot Silva, and his career really hasn't, you know, technically really been the same when you watch him fight and the way he fights. I mean, he did go off and take out Overeem, Barnett, and Gonzaga. Then he met Verdum and, and took a bit of a beating there. Um, but, yeah, when you take a look at some of that stuff, I mean, his, his game plan – Versus Orlovsky, in my opinion, was completely not the way it should have been. Um, but maybe that was because, Sean, his mobility was gone. You're going to have to have – if you can have some sort of mobility with Fabrizio Verdum and use your angles, you can finish him off or you can hurt him and punish him and put him down to the ground, uh, almost like the way Alistair Overeem did way back in, uh, in Strike Force. Uh, just don't engage with him on the ground. Punish him, drop him, let him come back up. Now – Verdum's striking technique with Kings MMA has always been, you know, it's been, it's been it was underrated for the longest time. Uh, now people do respect it, except for Stephen Miocic, obviously. But um, it's an interesting fight, and I think it's one that Travis can actually pull off if he does it, you know, in a smart manner. Um, Verdum is the favorite at about minus two hundred. Get it? Totally understand it. Uh, this could be closer than most people think, though. So. This is a heavyweight fight, so you can't write off either guy. Also, we have an exclusive uh, of Josh Barnett, who won on Saturday afternoon against Andre Arlovsky, talking about his predictions for the Stipe Miocic-Alistair Overeem fight, as well as talking about Fe- uh, Fabricio Verdum's win over Fedor and the Miocic-Verdum fight that happened earlier this year. Go check that out under, under our exclusives at Fightful.com. Go there and register. You get early access to a lot of our exclusives as well as uh, podcasts with Joe, with Vince Russo. Came to terms with today, former UFC fighter Matt Riddle 
Some of you may uh, have seen him compete in Evolve, PWG. We are slated, and I say slated, to do our first show Thursday at 2 p.m. That'd be tomorrow. Slated. Slated. Very excited to have Matt Riddle on. As I've said on the podcast, his UFC 149 promo was the best thing about that show. It was the only good thing about that entire event. Him, and it's on the announcement that we have on Fightful.com, so go check that out. Also, we are expanding our boxing section soon. Carlos Toro and Darren Doyle. I'm about to put those dudes to work. We're going to do some live coverage. We're going to have live coverage of all kinds of stuff. We're really ramping that up because you all love those live viewing parties. So have at it. We're also revamping our forums, doing a lot of cool stuff there. Now, before we talk about this UFC heavyweight fight, it's time. Two undefeated fighters going at it. The man who has sold out Madison Square Garden, the man who was licensed in Ohio because of his pro wrestling background, (laughs) taking on the undefeated Mickey Gall. Now, Mickey Gall does have four fights. Two as an amateur, two as a pro that I know of. That is a lot when you're talking about somebody who's never fought. I'll say this. I didn't – CM Punk had been progressing very slowly on that evolution of Punk. He looked in great shape in the last episode and on the UFC Embedded. Now, keep in mind, I've seen him as a pro wrestler when he was 230 pounds, and he was just trying to get as big as possible, and he became a balloon of a human being because back then it was bigger is better in pro wrestling. He's cutting down to 170. He looks like an actual human being. I'm not going to speak towards his technique or anything like that, but from the first sparring session they showed to the last, he looked much better. Now, granted, I think the guy that he fought in the first sparring session was probably a better fighter than the one they showed in the last one. But I'm interested. But here's the thing. A lot of people are like, Mickey Gall's going to run through him. I've not seen anything outside of that Mike, you know, the Mike Jackson fight, which... Let's be serious. We all knew the score going into that fight. Did we not, Joe? <laughs> we did. Okay. Yeah. Not seeing anything spectacular out of Mickey Gall either. So I am expecting very much out of this fight what I would see in the opening bout of a regional amateur fight card. Yeah, but you were speaking from experience. You're speaking out of you know MMA intelligence. You're speaking from... The fact that you've been around the game for quite some time, you call fights, you color commentate fights, uh, you attempt to punch out cameramen. I mean, um, you know, we're talking about a guy that's been around the game that understands that it's guy, two guys, one guy who's 2-0, one guy who's 0-0. We're not expecting him to be fighting for a title on this card. So when I look at CM Punk, I look at him the same way. When I look at Mickey Gall, who's going into his technically his third professional fight, uh, maybe his fifth mixed martial arts fight, I'm not expecting him to have perfect technique. I'm not expecting either one of these guys to blow my mind to say, oh my God, look how amazing this guy looked or that guy looked. I'm expecting to see CM Punk uh, is the same as Sean Ross Sapp, is the same as Joe Ferraro, is the same as, insert any name, making their professional mixed martial arts debut. I'm not looking for anything else. I don't care if you've trained for 10 years with Duke Rufus or a TriStar or this or this or that. It's a completely different ball game when you're stepping in there 
uh, for the very first time on a regional show with the hot lights and the big lights on top of the ring or the cage. and blah, blah. This is on the UFC. And I know CM Punk has tons of pay-per-view experience in WWE and has tons of experience doing all this different stuff uh, for, for the organization. But it's completely different. Now it's the real deal. Again, we don't know what these guys have gone through leading up to this fight here. But technically speaking, um, Sean, you and I can, can, can pull anybody off the street that's never uh, swam before and say, look, when you jump in the water, no matter what, just don't swallow water, you're going to float. And when you float, you can make your body horizontal. And when you're horizontal, you can lift your head out of the water, you can take a breath, you can put it back in the water, and you can start just moving your arms, kicking your feet. Trust me, you can swim. You can do this as much as you want on dry land, as much as you want. Until you jump in that pool, you have no idea what it's like. And come Saturday night, CM Punk, Phil Brooks is going to jump into that pool for the very first time to see if he can actually swim if he can sink, or if he's going to drown. And we're going to find out. I'm not expecting him to be Michael Phelps when he steps into that octagon. I'm expecting him to be CM Punk, a guy competing for the very well, first Well, he time. doesn't drink or do drugs, so he's not Michael Phelps. Straight edge Michael Phelps. So there's not a lot more I can add to that. I can say that our Monday co-host, Rob McCarron, who I told you said he would eat a hat if CM Punk fought, did find a technicality that might get him out of it. If he is announced, if he is announced as Phil Brooks and CM Punk, instead of CM Punk, he could get out of that. I could that's that's acceptable to me because that wouldn't be CM Punk. But he owns that name. That's his. He's coming out to CM Punk, dude. Your other answer last show was the the best ever. I told him to make was, a tortilla hat, dude. If that was me. Big fat Reese's penis, Reese's pieces peanut butter. Cup. What did you just Done. say? You Done. said Reese's penis, Joe. No, did I really just say that? Did you say said Reese's, Reese's, pe- Reese's pieces. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? I would figure oh something out and make it just. He, he's fine. He's going to be fine. I, I'll say this: if they sold Reese's penis as a novelty gift, they would sell like crazy for bachelorette parties. All right, stop talking like, about it. Stop talking about it. You and I are going to talk about this off air. That's our new business venture. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. Oh, man. So, <laughs> whew. where was I? Oh, yeah, there's a main event to this show, believe it or not. Stipe Miocic, Alistair Overeem. God, I love Stipe Miocic. He, if he didn't have such a good wrestling background... I would be like, damn, this gives everybody hope. Every heavyweight dude hope. But he does have a really good wrestling background. He, hey, he uh, was a teammate of my boy, Gerald Harris, who we talk about often on the show at uh, Cleveland State. But other than that, he's a guy who works as a firefighter. He's a guy who, after he won, uh, he really may have lifted the Cleveland curse. That's a thing that might have happened. Because after that, the Cavs won a championship. The Cleveland Indians are in first place. Uh, Cleveland Zones, Ethan Carter III is competing for the TNA Wrestling World Heavyweight Championship in October. It's all happening. The Miz is Intercontinental Champion. Can you believe it, Joe? But this is a guy who showed up at Cavs games, not in a LeBron jersey. He showed up in a Matthew Della Vadova jersey. He's not some fly-by-night Clevelander. This show sold on the back of Stipe Miocic. 
And he, you saw him at Indians batting practice, hit a home run, and he reacted the same way as if he, as when he won the world championship, as I can't believe that I just hit a home run. That's how he looked when he beat Fabricio Verdum. Like, I can't believe I just hit a home run. He jumped over the cage and screamed, I'm the world champ. Now, Alistair Overeem doesn't give a shit about Stipe Miocic. He doesn't care about anybody. He doesn't care about his own teammates, Joe, because he destroyed one recently. What is Stipe Miocic walking into, and will he walk out as UFC heavyweight champion? Well, let me, before I answer that, okay, let me ask you two questions. Your assessment of Alistair Overeem versus Junior Dos Santos. Of Alistair Overeem versus Junior Dos Santos? Yeah, when they fought uh, in December. Oh, gosh, I thought that it was going to be a back-and-forth battle. I thought that maybe one of them got clipped. I thought that, you know, it could be something special. But I thought it was a part of Junior Dos Santos' run back towards the top. Alistair versus Andre Orlovsky, former teammate, <laughs> ends of the second round. <laughs> so I thought that, you know, Arlovsky the thing is, it's it's a heavyweight fight. And the guys that he's beaten, that Overeem has beaten, are all guys that I thought stood a chance to beat him because of his initial run, because of that Bigfoot Silva, because of that Travis Brown, because of those that Ben Rothwell fight where the same thing happened. <laughs> But there's a difference. He fixed whatever that was after the Rothwell fight. Overeem went in there and destroyed Struve. Yeah. But when he Santos and Arlovsky, he didn't take his foot off the pedal this time. He didn't let up. It was a major difference from Brown, Silva, Rothwell. It, well, Brown and Silva in particular. God, this fight. This is such a main event fight for me. Now, hang on a second. Hang on one second. USADA. Have you heard of them? I have heard of them. Alistair Overeem had some issues a long time ago. Horse meat. Maybe call yeah. horse meat. He was much bigger. Um, he was much bigger. USADA's been around for a little bit. Um, when's the last time... Overeem has had issues. December 2011. Am I correct? Brock Lesnar? Yes. It's five years ago. USADA's been around for a little bit. And we don't really hear anything about Overeem getting in any sort of horse meat troubles. Am I correct? Sure. He's not visiting China. Correct. Stipe Miocic is the heavyweight champion of the world. Messed up for Breach Over Doom. Is on the spectacular run. Run. Um, Overeem has just been demolishing people uh, in his last three or four fights. This is a main event that should have way more people talking about it. This is going to be an absolute crazy fight. Uh, I know we talked about, excuse me, Ryan Bader and either Latifi. Uh, we didn't know what to expect. It was going to be over early. It could be a boring fight. I can't see this fight being boring at all. This thing, and I know it's the heavyweight division, this thing can end at any time. Uh, and and I, I, I believe, potentially, it could be another Stipe Miocic fight, um, similar to that fight that he had, uh, who was it, with Mark Hunt? Uh, or with Junior Dos, no, the Junior Dos Santos fight, where it was just like, what is going on? 25 minutes of sheer and utter 
beatdown. These guys beat the crap out of each other. So uh, anything can happen. But let's not forget who the better striker is. The better striker is Alistair Overeem. Let's not forget that. This is a former he was a K1 champ. Um, he's got the technique. He's got the power. He's got the combinations. Uh, and I know anything can happen in MMA. So, But technically speaking, he's the better fighter. We might see Stipe Miocic really use his wrestling in this fight, try and get Alistair, put him on his back, and punish him for signing on that dotted line. Which isn't something we see a lot out of him these days. His last four wins, well, he fought. It's, it's scary to think that Stipe Miocic fought Fabio Maldonado, but it's scary to think that a lot of Fabio Maldonado's fights ha- happened, actually. We haven't seen him really employ that a whole lot of late. Maybe I'm misremembering, but that's a hell of a show, Joe. That is a hell of a card. I can't wait. We've got a live viewing party for you all uh, Saturday night. we got a live podcast afterwards. We're going to have CM Punk exclusives up all week. Uh, we have him talking about Brock Lesnar. We have him talking about his wife and her reaction to this. Sign up, register at Fightful.com, get early access to those. I'd announce today, and I mean a big fight. Like if, if you were to say, Sean, book one fight that you just want to watch and the rounds are unlimited, I would say Donald Cowboy Cerrone against Ruthless Robbie Lawler, and we have it for UFC 205. Man, the UFC, I don't know. I, as a society, I don't know that we're good enough to deserve this fight, Joe. I completely, 100% agree. That, that's it. They have that. The report of Ally Quit to take it on Tiago Alves. Make that the co-main event. That's it. <laughs> UFC 205 is done. Sean and I will be there. We'll, I don't care if we got to drive there, fly there, uh, hitchhike there, go 70 style. I don't care. Robbie Lawler, Don Cerrone, main event, UFC 205. It's over. It's done. Leave it at that. That is going to be, I mean... If there's ever, you ever watch those fights, Sean, where you, re, you have to remind yourself, dude, breathe, man. Just breathe. Yeah. You're okay. Just breathe. It's not you in there. Breathe. I, I, <laughs> I can't even tell you how many times, how many events I've been to, uh, UFC and grassroots, where I was just like two fight, two guys uh, or girls that I really want to see fight. And this is going to be one of those fights where you're just kind of like, oh, my God, breathe, man. Breathe. This is the longest five minutes of my life. If it even goes five minutes, these two guys are going to put on an absolute beating like we've never seen knock on wood hopefully they come out okay uh and and you know i hate to say this sean but maybe it should be the last fight of their careers oh man or or they should just fight each other for the rest of their careers so big news today ufc 202 broke pay-per-view records 1.65 million pay-per-views it broke the ufc 100 record but a little other nugget was revealed. As it turns out, these numbers, as well as UFC 196 numbers, did not include the pay-per-views that were sold through UFC.com. So both UFC 196 and UFC 202 broke UFC 100's record. And now Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz hold spots one and two. That is fantastic considering that two years ago, 2014 was an absolute catastrophe for pay-per-view for multiple reasons. I mean pay-per-view all around. They were trying to make the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight happen, if I remember. I think that was 2015 when it finally happened. People didn't think it would happen. So 
that was a worry. WWE got off a pay-per-view altogether and did their own network. The UFC really struggled. There has never been more injuries than 2014. And 2012 was close. It looked like pay-per-view was in a lot of trouble. As it turns out, it wasn't. They just needed their stars. 2015 was good. 2016 is better because UFC 200 also cracked a million. That's just on pay-per-view, not the online buys. UFC's having themselves one hell of a year, Joe. And Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz, everything that they said was justified. Every single word was justified. I also want to remind you one other thing while we talk about these pay-per-view numbers. UFC 100 uh, had a certain welterweight title fight on that card. Um, the quote-unquote pay-per-view kings at the time were Brock Lesnar and George St. Pierre. Uh, if you Not to mention, let me, let me interrupt, that's when the Ultimate Fighter was still hot. Correct, correct. And if I could just remind uh, the viewers right now and, and the listeners, uh, if we're on iTunes at all, um, if you think George St. Pierre is coming back to mixed martial arts solely because he wants to, he feels comfortable now punching people in the face or feels confident again uh, to start hurting people, don't kid yourself. He knows Conor McGregor is putting up some big numbers. Uh, and that's a little bit of a punch to George's ego. That's one of those things like, wait a second. Hmm, maybe I'm not going to go down in history as the biggest pay-per-view draw for the Ultimate Fighting Championship. While I can, maybe I can do it still, and I can get out there and really sell some pay-per-views with a comeback or two because people still love me. People still love George St. Pierre. He's always going to have his haters, but people love George St. Pierre. Could be another reason why he's coming back, just to see if he can go out there and, and, and now break this, this new record set by UFC 202. So don't be surprised if George puts in a lot of work trying to sell. If he does come back, we're pretty sure he's coming back. To he sell, wants to. To sell the heck out of whatever pay-per-view uh, he is going to headline, especially if it's going to be uh, in Toronto in December. When Dana White says, I'll believe it when I see it, do you, and, or when he says, George St. Pierre doesn't want to come back, do you take that the way that I do, which is, George St. Pierre doesn't want to come back for what we're willing to pay him. Yeah, I believe it. I mean, it, it, there, there's been all there's there's a lot of there's a I wouldn't say a litany of excuses coming from both sides, but there's been a lot of things where it's just like no, no. Remember, George isn't stupid, and he's got a manager, and he's got people around him that understand accounting, understand legalities, understand how to get out of a contract, understand. Um, you know, how much money the UFC potential or Zufa or now, um, you know, how much they make, what he's worth, what he brings to the table. But the problem is for, from on their perspective is that the UFC is a brand. The UFC is generally bigger than any one of these fighters altogether. Uh, it's the UFC that really sells. Now, Conor McGregor sold a lot. Nate Diaz sold a lot, but they did it under the UFC umbrella as did George, as did Brock Lesnar. Now, Brock Lesnar obviously can cross over and do it in WWE. But at the same time, George's people understand finances. They understand, well, wait a second. If, if I'm the reason why your pay-per-view is selling this much, you got to pay me a bit more. Now, this two-point, stuff. I want this, I want that, or I would suggest this, or I would suggest that. And the UFC can say, you know what? We don't need you. We got Conor McGregor. And as soon as, you know, Randy Couture left, and Tito Ortiz was gone, and Chuck Liddell was gone, and Anderson Silva was gone, and Ronda Rousey got knocked out, and George St. Pierre left, blah, blah, blah. There's a Conor McGregor. There's a Nate Diaz. There always seems to be lightning in a bottle for the UFC. So no matter what, 
They're all, they're all CM Punk, right? There's always something that comes up that'll continue to help the UFC sell these pay-per-views. But every so often you do get a Conor McGregor and then he found by fluke his lightning in a bottle in Nate Diaz. So with George St. Pierre, it'll be interesting to see uh, who and, wh- and you know, who he would fight. Um, I, I really personally, I like that Michael Bisping fight uh, for George, but if he comes back at 170, you know, I don't really see much of a pay-per-view being sold as uh, Tyron Woodley would be a good fight, obviously uh, a title shot, but would, I think Bisping would sell a lot more versus George St. Pierre. I mean, correct me if I'm I, wrong, but yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. Before we go, Joe, tell the people about Titan FC this weekend. Well, if you take a look at what's on the screen right now, you can see that this is going to be my homework uh, for the next 48 hours before we go live, 7 p.m. Eastern, live and exclusive on UFC Fight Pass, Titan FC 41. Uh, it's it's going to be a, an amazing event. Number one, uh, inaugural bantamweight championship in the women's division, Karina Dom uh, taking on Kalindra Faria. Who's Kalindra Faria? Look her up. You probably know who oh, Karina yeah. If you're watching this, you know who Karina Dom is. These two have already fought, okay? Karina Dom already defeated her once by a TKO in the second round. And then a, a couple of years later, uh, Faria comes back and says, uh-uh, I'm going to submit you with a first-round armbar. Trilogy fight, Friday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, Titan FC 41. It's for the Titan FC bantamweight title. And in the co-main event, um, you got Andre the Bull Harrison, undefeated Titan FC featherweight champion. This guy's never lost a fight in pro MMA. He's taking on Alexander Bezerra. Popo, if you know who that is. Um, this is going to be a crazy fight. People are always saying, well, why isn't Andre the Bull Harrison in the UFC yet? This is arguably the best featherweight prospect in the UFC. I can tell you offhand what goes through my head when I watch him fight and potentially what, you know, the Joe Silvers or the Sean Shelby's or the UFC are thinking, just finish a fight, dude. Just finish a fight. You're a spectacular fighter, but you got to finish at the grassroots level to get to the UFC. Well, there's a problem, and his name is Popo, and Popo is not going to sit there uh, and, and take what Andre Harrison brings to the table, whether it's his newfound love for striking and his dressing game. You want to take me down to the ground? Fine. I'm going to submit you. I'm going to get back up. I'm going to punish you. This co-main event uh, has, you know, I'm not going to say fight of the year written all over it, but damn, it's going to be close. Uh, believe me, it's going to be a spectacular <laughs> Damn. Yeah. I see what you did there. Yeah, it's going to be good. Believe me. Tune in. Live exclusive UFC Fight Pass this Friday. Me and Kamaru Usman uh, are doing commentary, uh, play-by-play. It's going to be a great show. Um, Sarah Perlman will be joining us on the broadcast. Apparently, we're waiting to, to confirm that. But uh, for those of you in the States who know who Sarah Perlman is, uh, wish her luck. Uh, she'll be coming in doing some MMA. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a fantastic show. Tickets are still available at BankUnitedCenter.com. Uh, we are over. The venue is literally across the road from me. But, like I said, Sean, study, 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 watching all these fights, paying Must attention be- to a lot of things. So, good times. Must be nice. I don't get primers. Like, I have to take my own notes and put them down and all that stuff, but that's the struggle. So I'm not big time like you, Showdown Joe. But Andre Harrison and Kalindra Farah, especially, two people you guys need your eye on. Uh, Andre Harrison, I think he's 13-0. And I know that at, I know that earlier this year he beat Steven Seiler, who I believe fought in the UFC. He's beaten a lot of names that you'll have seen around if, you, if you've been an MMA fan for a long time. But Showdown Joe and I are back Saturday night, correct? Uh, I wouldn't go with uh, – actually, probably Sunday morning because after the pay-per-view. So probably yes, what? Te- 1 a.m., bud. Late after UFC 203. We'll just say that. I'm going to be one exhausted dude because I've got to fly out of here uh, what time Saturday morning. I think I leave the hotel at 4.30 a.m. Uh, to get to the to – the, no, 4 a.m. 
to get to the airport. So when I land, I'll take a nice big nap, get ready to go, play with my son for a little bit, and then, uh, yeah, we'll watch some UFC and uh, we'll have a good time. Guys, Fightful.com is the place to be. Please share it, Twitter, Facebook, Reddit. That stuff really, really helps us. The more that you share it, the more that you uh, do things of that nature, uh, the, the more successful our show is, the more people like Joe, like Vince Russo, like Matt Riddle that we can bring on to give you more podcasts, more live coverage, things of that nature. Register for the site. That is very important to our success. Uh, use our forums, which will be overhauled very soon. But yeah, hell, if you guys want to register our RSS feed to your Twitter, do it. We'll take all the free advertisement. I don't care. I don't care. Also working on some merchandise ideas because you guys have been asking for Fightful for fightful shirts. Might be coming in the very near future, but I am back. We're supposed to go live tomorrow, Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. with Matt Riddle. Then Friday afternoon with Vince Russo. Then Saturday night after UFC 203 with Showdown Joe. Then after the Backlash pay-per-view on Sunday with Alex Pawlowski. Then Monday after Raw with Rob McCarron. Then Tuesday after SmackDown with Jeff Hawkins. Then I'm back Wednesday with Joe. Then I'm back Thursday with Matt. Then I'm back Friday with Vince. We got a full plate. We got a full plate. Is there a UFC next weekend, Joe? <laughs> For your sake, I definitely hope not. Uh, but I think that the, the next event will be the Poirier-Johnson fight. Uh, and sucks for you, uh, it is September 17th. So, actually, no, it's actually a t- <laughs> Good for you, September 17th. Yeah, you're, you're, you're good. Poirier versus Johnson, Hall versus Brunson, uh, that'll be a good card. So I'm back that Saturday night as well. Guys, until next time, we are out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.